We have come this morning, we have brought the Lord our prayers, our praises, our offerings, and we're preparing now to hear the Lord speak to us through His Word. As we prepare, let's take a moment, I'm going to give us just a brief moment of silence to prepare our hearts to listen, and then I'll close this time with prayer and we'll step into our preaching for today. So let's take just a moment to prepare to hear God's Word. Father, we are here, we are here to hear from you. We are grateful that you have spoken to us through your word. We are grateful that you continue to apply your word to us through your spirit. And so we pray as we gather this morning that you speak to each one of us what we need to hear from you. Lord, take away whatever might get in the way of us hearing from you well whether that be internal or external barriers, we pray that you break those down so that we can truly hear and truly see you this morning. Amen. So this Advent and Christmas, we're in a sermon series on the minor prophets in the Gospel of Luke. We're, we're looking back at the Old Testament and seeing some ways that that points us to Jesus in the midst of difficult circumstances. And we're also reading texts from early in the Gospel of Luke that help us to see how, how Jesus is the answer to so much of the anticipation of the Old Testament. So a couple weeks ago, we, we heard how, how the Lord was sending his messenger, but how the messenger came as, as a refining fire, as a purifying soap, as someone who comes and, and does not let us be, but transforms us, changes us, takes away the parts of our life that are, that are imperfect and refines us. And last week, we, we reflected on the good news that, that in the Lord, we have a deep, deep joy that no matter what the circumstances are, we are called to rejoice and and as Christians, just to have fun, to enjoy life because the Lord saves us and the Lord looks on us with delight. Now, it may be that last week, if you were here and you, you listened to the sermon, you just couldn't get there. So this week may really be the week for you because this week we're going we're gonna to reflect on what we do, how we respond, how the Bible might lead us when it feels like the bottom has dropped out of our lives and there is no hope left. That is this week. And this week, we're going to read from Habakkuk chapter 3, and then we're going to turn and read some more from Luke chapter 1. There are Bibles in your benches if you want to follow along and even keep it open during the sermon. Otherwise, the text will be on the screen too. So here first, the word of the Lord from the book of Habakkuk. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior." The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And then we'll turn over to Luke chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 46 to 55. And this is, this is Mary's song after she hears the good news of Jesus, after she's heard the good news of Elizabeth, her cousin, also being promised a baby. And then Mary sings, and hear what Mary says. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. This is the word of the Lord. So our first point this morning with the first couple of verses of Habakkuk is, although the massive thing, and I want to explain that point a little bit, although the massive thing. Dr. Lee Warren recently wrote a book called Hope is the First Dose, and he's written a couple other books I've referenced in sermons over the years. But in this book, he starts with, well, he starts with a little bit of a reflection, actually, on Habakkuk that we read this right now. And then he tells a story of when he was an Air Force surgeon, and early on, they strapped him into, I think it was a C-37 jet fighter trainer. So there's a pilot up front, and then there's a second seat where they can put someone to train them. Or in this case, they put surgeons in the back seat of the plane so they get a sense of what pilots experience, and, and so they maybe have a little more patience with pilots and, and are kind of shown who really matters in the Air Force. That's just my theory, but I think it's probably true. So they strap this surgeon in, and the crew chief who's in charge of the plane on the ground gets them all strapped in and then says, you see those pedals down there? And you see the controls right in front of you? If you touch those, this is going to be a really short flight. So let's keep our hands and feet to ourselves, shall we? And then the crew chief goes on and says, you see that yellow handle between your legs? What is that? And Dr. Warren looks down and says, well, it says ejection seat, do not pull. So I'm guessing that's the ejection seat handle. And the crew chief says, yes, don't pull it. You see, in all the Air Force, there is only one ejection seat like this. All the others have rockets, and they'll launch you. You can launch even from the ground, and you'll be fine. But this seat is just a big spring. So if you pull that when you are not above 1,000 feet, the parachute won't deploy. You will die. Don't touch the ejection seat. And sir, have a nice flight. Okay. And Dr. Warren uses that illustration as an example of what so often happens in all of our lives when when maybe we don't pull the ejection seat, but life does. And he uses the language throughout the book of the massive thing, the TMT, the thing in your life that just brings you down to the very bottom, the thing that maybe physically doesn't kill you but makes you wish you were dead, the thing that, that makes you feel like your life is over and there is no hope left. And the list that Warren gives at one point, well, it might be as it was for him, the tragic, violent death of one of your children. Or it might be that someone left you, or someone cheated on you, or the biopsy came back bad, or the pandemic wrecked your business or wrecked your family life, or the market crashed. Or maybe even just for some of us that we didn't get enough likes on whatever social media posts we're putting out there. There are all kinds of things that, that some of them might seem a little more trivial than others, but there are all kinds of things that can become the massive thing, the thing in our lives that we just don't know how to get over, the place where we bottom out. And here in Habakkuk, we have the prophet of God looking at a time when God's people are bottoming out and when he personally is bottoming out. And the language he uses might, might sound familiar to a lot of us from our difficult times. His heart pounds. 
Decay creeps into his bones. His legs tremble. Those moments when things seem so bad that your body feels like it's falling apart and all you can do is sit there and shake. This is where the prophet is. And then he looks around at where his nation, where the people of God are, and and he predicts and he points toward a national disaster. And I'm not going to give you all the background of the book of Habakkuk, but this is a time when, when God's people were about to be invaded and more or less, not totally, but more or less wiped out. And Habakkuk looks at that, and then, and then what would have resonated more with people in an agricultural economy than us, he basically says, and what if life totally falls apart? Now, I know nothing about this. I'm taking the words of commentators, but I think this is a powerful, powerful image that maybe we get a little better if we hear it a little differently. Remember, this is a people that if their harvest doesn't come in, they don't eat. This is life or death. And then what this text does is month by month it predicts the failure of harvest after harvest. In May, the fig trees would have failed to flower, so you would know there would be no figs. In June, the, the grapes would be dead on the vine, so you would know there would be no vine harvest. In July, you could see there would be no olives that year. And by the time you get to August, you would see that all, all the groves and all the other produce wouldn't be providing for you this year. And so month after month, Habakkuk is saying, even though my hope gets stripped away, even though this harvest has failed, even though the next harvest has failed, even though our last hope has let us down, although all of these things happen, and all of us, maybe just 99.9% of us, but I'll say all of us, all of us will have that moment in life when it will feel like everything has been systematically stripped away. When the massive thing has hit us and there is nothing left. And what do we do with that? What do we do with that? And what Habakkuk does, and, and this is probably not how I would write the book. Thankfully, I didn't write this book and it's a lot better than what I would have to give. But what Habakkuk does is say, we still rejoice and are joyful. Although the terrible thing happens, still we rejoice and are joyful in the Lord. Can we do that? How do we do that? And before we reflect on that, I, I want to mention a couple dangers here that I think a lot of us fall into one or the other of. So some of us, some of us, when the terrible thing happens in our life, when we see everything fall apart, we get stuck there. And that becomes so much a part of our identity that the terrible thing or things that happen to us are no longer a thing that happened to us, but who we are. And so we are stuck back in that moment in the past of, of just not being able to see beyond our own personal disaster, and we can, never, we can never move on. We're always going back and going back and going back to the failure of the harvest, to that relationship that didn't work out, to that business disappointment, to, to the career move we didn't want to make, to, to all of those things, and we just keep going back and back and back. And those may be terrible, life-altering, awful things but it's not good for us to stay there. Dr. Warren, in his book, shares the story of some patients who, who even though they've had the surgery and even though everything is fine now, the tumor is gone and isn't coming back, they keep going to doctor after doctor because they still feel like there is that thing. There is that thing and I just, I, I need something done about it. And there is this temptation for us 
And these are perhaps harsh words, but they might, need the med- they might be the medicine we need to hear. There is the, this temptation for us to be defined by the worst moments of our lives. And that is, that is tragically something that happens so often in this world, but it is also a tragedy because the Lord has more for us. But then there is another coping method that many of us take that isn't healthy either, and that's to say, oh, well, we're called to be joyful, so I'm just going to pretend everything is fine. I'm going to say it's not that bad. I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote a few Bible verses and say God works everything out for the good, so just, just pretend that the bad stuff isn't really that bad. John Mulaney, who's a comedian, has a line about Irish people. So his line, not mine, but, but Irish people, and he's Irish, so he can get away with this. Irish people hold all their troubles right here for about 50 years, and they pretend everything's okay, and everything is fine, and then they have a heart attack and die. And I think a fair amount of us actually cope that way too, that we just say, everything is fine, I'm not bothered by it, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then so often we become bitter and empty people. We become shells of ourselves because we're afraid to go deeper because what if we go deep and we find out that we can't deal with the troubles of life? Obsession about our troubles and denial of our troubles are not healthy choices. So what do we do? And again, what Habakkuk calls us to do is to find our joy in the Lord, to turn back to the Lord. And Habakkuk, as a prophet, he, he looks at God's people, he looks at his own life, he looks at the nation around him, and he sees terrible, terrible times coming. And Habakkuk even, even has to look around and say, you know what, we deserve this. The ways that we have responded to the Lord, we totally deserve everything that is coming our way. We deserve it. Now, I, I think we could say that most of the really bad things that happen in our lives, we, we don't necessarily deserve. We haven't earned them. But Habakkuk is looking at that worst possible circumstance and saying, we deserve all the troubles we get because look at what we've done and who we've been. And yet even in that circumstance, Habakkuk can look at what's coming and he can look through it and he can say, even now, although all of this happens, I can still rejoice in the Lord. I can still rejoice in the Lord, although all of this happens. Now I have to tell you, that there were a few times this week that I was kind of grumpy at myself for picking this text because, because I don't always like this message. I don't always like the message that no matter how hard it gets, we can still rejoice in the Lord because life is hard, because there are things we do not understand, because, because it can sound so cheap and so hollow to go to hurting people and say, guess what, although it's as bad as it can be, we can still rejoice in the Lord. I don't always love standing up here and saying that. But there's this thing in medicine, and maybe we should have more of it in ministry, called evidence-based practice. Evidence-based practice. And so whether you like it or not, you deal with reality as it is. And what the Bible tells us, what reality is as it is, is that no matter how hard things get, we can rejoice in the Lord. And so I want to invite you, even if life is bottoming out for you, to, to reflect on what if this is true? What if it is actually true? What if it is actually true that, that in the Lord, although all the bad things happen, we still have a source of joy that endures even through that? 
And if that were to be true, and if it is true, then maybe it's the best good news we've ever heard. And that's where Habakkuk takes it. Although, although things get as bad as they do, we are still joyful. And the reason for it is because the Lord is our strength. Not because, oh, things will get better. Not because life isn't that bad. Not because we can handle it. But because the Lord is our strength. Habakkuk is undone here in this text, and really throughout the whole book that bears his name. He is undone. He is shaking in his boots. He can hardly cope. Life is awful. And yet because the Lord is at work, Habakkuk can say at the end of the day, the Lord is my strength. And the Lord works to raise up even those who are at the very, very bottom. And that is one of the messages also of Mary's song that we read today. And, and we aren't going to unpack that whole song. We could spend a whole sermon series on that. But one of the messages of that psalm is that the Lord, the Lord raises up those who are humble. To those who are hungry, He provides food. There, there is this great reversal that, that though life looks hard and empty and broken and hopeless, yet the Lord is at work even in us. He is unendingly gracious and merciful. And the mechanism for this whole story to come true, the mechanism for all of this to work together is the baby that Mary is carrying even as she sings that song. Jesus came and he lifts up the humble. He heals the brokenhearted. He provides food to those who are hungry. He he goes through the worst of all the worst things for us. You know, the real question, the real question, and Dr. Warren doesn't bring this up, but the real question when he's in that, when he's in that plane is not how bad is the ejection seat. The real question is how good is the pilot? And if any one of us, as far as I know, if any one of us got in the front seat of that plane and said, well, Dr. Warren, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to push some buttons and flip some levers and hit some pedals and we'll see what happens, the right move is to jump out. But what if you've got a good pilot? What if you've got a pilot who actually knows what he's doing and can actually get the best out of the aircraft and can actually fly? And so the question for us is not how bad life is. The question is really, is Jesus trustworthy? is the Lord who he says he is. And if the Lord is who he says he is, well, then the best thing to do is to hold on tight no matter how hard life gets. And there is a way where the Christian life is harder than any other life. There is a way where it is so hard to believe in Jesus even though things are so, so difficult. There is a way where it is so hard just to hold on when, when we have all these massive things that are not our fault and all the massive things that are our fault and we, we still have to get up tomorrow and live the lives we have. That is so hard. But there's another sense where the Christian life is the easiest of all. Because when we look at ultimate reality in the face, when we look at ultimate reality in the face, we can look through all our hard things and we can see the face of Jesus. We can see that we are in good hands and that even though we have all these troubles, they do not weigh us down. Jesus promises us that we will have trouble in this life and he tells us to pick up our cross and follow him. 
but he also tells us that we in him will have life more abundantly than we can ever imagine. And so I want to invite you this morning, I want to invite you this morning to be absolutely honest about the although, about the hard things in your life. I want to invite you to, to as much as you're capable of it, to look at those things and to be honest about them, but also, also to hear the good news. To hear the good news that no matter how bad the bad things are, Jesus is greater. No matter how terrible your life may be, and many of us have terrible things in our lives, no matter how bad it gets, the Lord Jesus is good, and He is for us, and He is with us. And so we have reason, and this is not, not something we say lightly, but we have deep reason we have every assurance. We have the comfort that we can rejoice and be joyful because the Lord is our strength no matter how hard life gets. So I invite you this Advent again to look to Jesus because he is our only hope. Let's pray. Father, in this world, In this world, it is so hard for us to hold on to hope. In this world, we so often feel like our bodies are falling apart and the harvests are failing and everything is wrong, wrong, wrong. Lord, help us to look deeper. Help us to be able to look at reality in the face and to see, to see past all the troubles, the face of Jesus who comes to save us. Lord, we cannot get to this, we cannot achieve this, we cannot accomplish this on our own, but, but we beg and we plead and we trust and we hope that in Jesus you will provide us with real joy, that you will be our strength, that you will enable us again to walk on the heights even though, even though we may be in the depths. Lord, we pray that you grant us faith because on our own we do not have enough. We pray that you give us hope because so often we have none. We pray that you fill us with your love. Help us to see Jesus, we pray. In his name, amen.